Hi, you guys back there. Um, so, today is a special kind of day because on this ordinary day and whatever, um, in ordinary time, um, I am the least prepared I've ever been, but on purpose because, um, you know, I don't know if anyone relates to um, knowing verses and thinking, yes, that's very true about God. Mm -hmm, very good, very good. And, but then it's different when God's like, well, let's pretend that actually is true and you're going to try it. And so today, what I'm trying is boasting in my weakness and not even having a staff and that God's grace is sufficient for a sermon and he's the strength today. Uh, and the main place that I'm seeing God right now are in all these faces, which means I'm going to make this an interactive sermon. I want to hear your voices. I don't know if anyone's ever gone to church in Africa or somewhere like that, where church goes for five hours and people do a lot of amens and yes and preach it, sister. Uh, that's what I'd like to hear today. So I have heavy expectations. Step up. Um, so amen. amen. Yeah, there we go. And this is going to be a really serious sermon because I brought two Bibles just in case. Um, uh, yeah. Um, today, I, I think the, for you who, those of you who know me, I don't think in bullet points. I think I've said that in a sermon. I don't have tidy little bullet points. I think in spider webs. And I can tend to get too intellectual about things. So I'm going to try to really, and if I'm getting like really heady, wave your hands and say back into your heart here. Because, um, yeah, I want to share kind of where I'm at, but as a, not just because, you know, isn't it nice for you to listen to how I'm doing, um, but <clears throat> because I think there's probably a lot of people at the same place. And um, so I'm going to, so as you, as you know, this is another thing I've probably told some people, but new people don't know. I came from out of childhood trauma. And I'm not telling you that because I want you to feel sorry for me. We're doing processing on trauma. I'm good. But what childhood trauma does do is it, we, when you're a child, it's different if you have a, a trauma as an adult. You have a fully developed prefrontal cortex and self, right? If you're traumatized as an adult, that trauma weaves into your wiring. It's actually, like as a child, it weaves in, it becomes actually part of how you act and think and feel. And it's like not personal. It's all happening inside me, but it's actually just kind of trauma. But it feels like you because that's all you thought, that's all you've acted, that's all you've known, that's all, you know. And so it's kind of like becomes the normal, right? So everything that you've been, every however you were raised as a kid, that was your normal. And then maybe as a high schooler, you start to see other friends with different dynamics and different this and different that, right? And you start to realize, oh, hey, that isn't normal. And, and um, so my process of healing from tra trauma has been very much what I think basically a, a human journey is, basically what our spiritual walk is. Um, God, uh, now I'm going to see a whole lot of times where God said this to me and God said that to me. Let me explain that when God says things to me, 
they're the things like it's not like I'm hearing this like just direct stream and I'm walking along going shh, shh, quiet quiet down it's you know it's like um it's like a gut inner knowing it's the thing I trust it's the thing I believe and it's the thing I'm willing to like take a little step on so it's the thing that I kind of lean into and because I really think that God is in a sense talking all the time but not as a voice like we hear but like you know, like our, through our body, through the things that happen, through fasting, let's put in religious behaviors. It doesn't, I, you know, fasting, we could just put in religiousness, you know, like everything that we do, like, and then God doesn't, you don't feel a sense of the presence there. Well, probably because there isn't the presence there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so there's th ways that I've stepped and it felt like, where's God? And God's like, I'm still with you. And you've just walked out of you. That makes sense. I'm still with you. You're the, I'm still there. I don't leave you. That's the promise. I don't leave you. I'm your breath. But if you step away from you, not even from God, but out of your own self, then you don't feel that presence. And those are ways that God speaks to us. We feel a lack, we feel our feelings are indications to us about what's going on, things like that, right? How people treat us even. We can really learn from everything. So um, I've learned a lot from working through childhood trauma. And I have been working really hard to be someone who actually trusts other Christians in real time with my real state in my home group in this uh, church. And um, I came into the home group like seven, eight, seven years ago maybe. And I was like a little edgy and like super not trusting. Cause I, you know, you come out of childhood trauma, you have a fear mindset and you just don't trust people, right? And so, um, but our whole point, the whole point, of being here is to learn to trust God, right? Like that's what we were given in the garden. In the garden, we are given, we are given abundance. We're given identity. We're given belonging. We're given bodily care. We are, and we're naked. We don't have to have anything. We don't have, God didn't make us to see what we could give him or give them. Right? God didn't make us to see, oh, if I like really lean on you this way, can you still stand? Like God made us because, wow, isn't it amazing to create a lot of things when you love things? When you love things, you want to make things. I mean, that's kind of like the symbol of marriage, right? Marriage is, is symbolically creative because when you love things, it leads to creating things. And so that's why we have thousands of kinds of grasses and trees and plants and birds and billion kinds of insects. Like, why didn't God make, you know, like a, a handful of insects? No, there's like a million kinds of insects. Why? Because it's just love and it, God is generative. He's naturally creating, they're naturally creating life all the time. And so that's been the process with me. Um, so God gave me a kind of a way of understanding, you know, the narrow gate and the, the wide gate, right? And Jesus famously saying, you know, and Christians have kind of understood the narrow gate is like, there's a lot of bad, wicked people who are just not getting in that narrow gate. We're all just going to like edge on in, right? <clears throat> and hopefully, right? 
But actually, God said to me one time about that verse, the narrow gate means that it's narrowing in a sense, because we are, imagine that our false self, or our old self, it's like all our ego. We have all these wrappings around us. When we don't trust people, we wrap, we wrap. We create false selves, false identities, ways that we identify myself. So I could say, I'm an introvert. And so introverts don't do this, and they don't do that, and they don't do this. And I've just kind of caged myself with a whole bunch of ways of an introvert is. And they're all kind of at, like, arbitrary. I could just pick out whatever, right? So, and I felt like God say, the process of walking through life, and this is why life kind of hurts a lot, is you're shedding, you're shedding, you're shedding. And like the narrow gate is like, it's your true self, it's your essence that enters into God. That's where there's this fullness. It's not about good and bad people. It's about all people are all God's desire. All of us together are God's desire. And so, but humanity's kind of suffering, right? So for me in the last couple of years, two and a half years of COVID-esque, two and a half years or so, um, I mean, first of all, I, the very first thought when COVID hit was like, so surreal, right? It was just surreal. Like we're in a pandemic, like, isn't there a movie that was called Pandemic and people are racing around and it's all horrible and terrible and I don't even remember how it ends, but it just felt like something that happens in a Hollywood movie. It doesn't feel like real life. Or isn't that what happens like the bubonic plague, you know, like through medieval times, right? But no, here we are like in a plague. We're still humanity. Um, and we entered into a plague with like Trump for president. This is not my talking about politics, but just for me, you know, and for many, the, and if you've heard these kind of commentaries, that the, the, a leader really shapes how, a, how a, a group presents, right? And so he, he brought to the surface a whole lot of division and a whole lot of inequity and all kinds of sort of lies and things that were already there, right? There was a lot of surface, a lot of us, but kind of as a together as a humanity, right? This is sort of like systemic evil. We, bait, we have wraps together. It's as if we're religious. We have the outward signs, but we're not like being transformed. Like, and so um, I found that really weighed on me. Like it just felt like it brought out a wickedness in the world. And then there's Black Lives Matter. There's people, and then, and then here in our own country, sometimes Canadians are super smug because we think, oh, well, we don't have the racism in the States. Whew, we're so much better than they are. Well, anyone who's indigenous can say, or, or Asian, or any other, like especially during COVID, the Asian backlash. There, anyone who is not white in this country could still say, yep, yeah, racism is still healthy and alive here, right? All those children that were found, um, mass shootings like uh, that have been happening, like all of that stuff has been really weighs on my heart. I find that really challenging. And it really feels like, God, where are you? What is going on here? What's the story? Gory always talks about the story and where is the story? Where's the hope? And, um, and then in my own personal life, there's just been some serious challenges <laughs> that have been like um, both, as you know, many mental health has been a, there's been a whole lot of mentally healthy people that 
in COVID discovered, oh, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not the mentally healthy group anymore. They've discovered it's a spectrum. It's not pregnant or not. There's not mentally ill people. Ooh, I'm glad, thank God I'm not those. It's like, hey, we're all human. We just slide back and forth. And sometimes circumstances push us right into mentally unhealthy. And that's normal, that's human. But it's hard, it's hard to bear loneliness. It's hard to bear anxiety. It's hard to bear depression. And I felt all of those things during COVID. And I felt like the world's problems or evils have felt so oppressive. And then there's been a lot of uncertainty in our church. People, have, people here have lost people. People here have been grieving other people. People have lost hopes and dreams they had. And um, I felt a lot of that too. Like I felt just this shaking of uncertainty. And a part of me kind of relishes uncertainty. I'm a bit like weird that way. I'm a, like a little bit masochistic. I kind of like a little bit of pain, you know? Because coming out of childhood trauma, I've never been able to just say confidently, oh, I'm one of the like successful and strong and, you know, competent people on the mentally well side. I just haven't been able to strut that, you know? I'm like, nope, I'm on the fragile, like a little bit kooky, a little too much, a little too intense, a little this, a little that. I'm, I'm all the like, ah, figuring it out. And so I've kind of liked that the rug's been shaken. And now we have like um, a whole, but the, what I've loved about COVID, which is kind of a weird way to say that, but is that I feel like God, who else? Who else could kind of, what else could, we have a really divided world. Um, you know, the Berlin Wall fell, but there's still like more than 70 plus walls built around in the world. Like we are a very divided world. Christians, the non-vax vax, the mask, not vax, mask. Like people who hate Bonnie Henry and think, you know, in the government and they've mishandled everything and people who have been like, oh, thank God and are still afraid. And um, just, there's so much division. And, um, but the whole world has had a little shake. The whole world has, and people have individually thought, what am I doing with my life? right? There's a million workers. Where are they all? Well, there's a whole bunch of them going, hey, what I did before, I don't want to do that. Or maybe I don't have to just grind out, you know, this like type A striving, achieving, proving kind of life. Maybe I can do something else. Um, and yet people are still like, and then the spring came and it was like, maybe there's going to be, um, COVID's over and it's summer and Vancouverites really go like, wah, crazy in the summer, right? Because it's like sun, oh my God, you know? And, um, and it felt like, oh, it'll be light and great, but it doesn't feel light and great. I don't know about anyone else. I don't feel like everyone suddenly feels like, whew, well, that's over and we're done and we're just gonna get right back onto the treadmill, right? Everyone feels still kind of uncertain. And there's uncertainty in our church. There's people who've gone, like who aren't here anymore that have sort of not, like we lost them during COVID, not because, they are gone, but they don't come here anymore. There's questions around that. Um, Gordy's turned 65. Gordy's, Gordy's own time is, is, is starting to be considered um, and what, what that looks like here. Um, we, as a leadership, talk so much about the kids and um, you know, how many, so many of them are growing up and, and they're like full. They're full. There's so much in them. And how do we get that out? How do we, how do we, 
glean from them what they've got of God. Um, so it just feels kind of like, kind of, I don't know if anyone else feels like that. Does anyone else feel like it still just feels sort of uncertain? And combined with some struggles in my own family, my kids have been some of the children who've suffered mental health challenge, like really strong mental health challenges during COVID. A lot of teens have, and, and a lot of people have, have um, struggled with mental health challenges they never did before. And as a mom, man, that is like gutting, like just gutting, like just puts me on my knees, like I don't know how to fix it. And, um, you know, and Matt and I have had like our own tensions through this, these couple of years, because it's just the weight of the world and the weight of the things going on with our kids. It's been hard to stay connected and, and not just kind of kind of be like all, one all man for himself kind of gripping on to like the edge of the cliff kind of feeling at times. So um, just to dispel like anyone who gets to be up front, <laughs> like, you know, there's sort of this idea that I get a microphone here I am and it must mean something like maybe I'm especially mature or, you know, God really likes me especially, I don't know, or, you know, other people here do who are mature and lovely, but, you know, I met with the leadership yesterday, we had a great meeting together, just good reminder, we're all still human, still human, so totally human. Um, I've stopped wanting to be the perfect saint. I've started wanting to actually just be a human being. And partly that's because of this church. And yeah, I think this church and my own family uh, have helped me. I like, so I got, I've kind of got some really strong bouts of despair during COVID. Like really just like, God, I believe you're real. I know you're here. But like, if it's not making a difference, if the world looks this dark, if I feel the darkness inside me and I know I'm not the only one, there's 8 billion people, like I'm not the only one. Um, like then why are we doing this? Why are we doing, why am I preaching at you? Why are we singing sweet songs? Like, you know, I don't know if you know who um, Brian McLaren is. He's written a quite a few books. Um, he's just written a book called, Do I Stay Christian? Um, that's kind of like causing ruffles, you know? Like, yeah, he's American and, and uh, you know, some of Christianity that I think of is often very much what we see more in America, but those are our brothers and sisters. They're the part of the body of Christ. There's a lot of them, <laughs> a lot more American Christians than our Canadians. Um, and so that's been a really ruffling kind of thing down there. Like, woo, 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 what do you mean? Do I stay Christian? But it doesn't mean do I abandon God? It's like, shouldn't this all, shouldn't what we do here and shouldn't our coming to see each other make some difference in this world? We are the light. Christ said, now you're the light of the world. He gave us himself, he gave us the spirit so that we are the light of the world. The thing that breaks forth, it's that light that's in you. When stuff gets stripped off, that light starts to shine out. But Christians look a lot like non-Christians, you know, like, uh, and sometimes I feel like, oh, I'm just the same. I've made so much of my religion, 
like my relation, my personal relationship with God has been so much striving. That little girl who was traumatized trying to prove that she's worthy, that she's something, that, sh that God should pay attention to me. I've done all my tricks for God, stood on my head, you know, bounced around and, you know, laid prostrate, ripped my hair out. I've done all the things. Prayed. I've even had people try to cast demons out of me because, you know, I don't know, that's curious. It's an interesting experience, but, you know, didn't do like a lot. Um, but, you know, something I could probably write a little play about maybe. Um, yeah, I've done all the things and I've been like, God, look, I did all the things. I'm jumping, I'm doing my jumping jacks. Where are you? And God's like, it's not a transaction. It's not a transaction. You don't get to use me. You don't get to manipulate me. You just, you just get to be with me. And God doesn't like to be the, God is like this, this verse has just been ringing through my mind over and over that the spirit is like the wind and it blows where it pleases. And so are the people of God. God's a wind. I don't get to hold on. Um, and I know all these things and yet still I just hit despair so hard this spring. Like I had my body kind of gave out a little bit and I had some triggers. Um, and if you're familiar with what a, you know, complex PTSD trigger is, it's when something happens in your current life and it triggers all the old, your brain literally just puts you back into a physical state of trauma, like it's happening right now. So it's a terrible kind of thing to undergo. Um, it's not just when you get uncomfortable feelings, everyone kind of uses that word now. But so I was like, kind of like, and God and me have like, like a, a kind of deal <laughs> where I'm allowed to just like throw all the balls up and be like, I don't believe any of this. It's all crap. What's really true. And I'm allowed to question all the things. And, um, and I'm allowed to experiment with despair. Some people would call that a sin, you know. Um, but there's a poet, David White, he, he wrote sort of about the, necess the necessity of stages, of, of seasons of despair, that it's part of being human. It's certainly what Jesus felt when he cried out, my God, my God, where, why have you forsaken me? Um, and I realized that I have learned that God's good. He's been really good to me, actually. It's like stupidly good. Like, I am such a jackass sometimes, and yet God is so good. And like so patient and, and like keeps saying like super nice things about me. And I'm like, you know, and it's, it's not my sin that holds me back from God. It's my own like judgments about myself. It's my own not, I, God can do all the things, lay himself out. He can lay himself in the dirt in a cradle. He can stretch his arm out. He can rise from the dead. And if you don't trust that that gets to be you, you too, that's for you, like literally just for you, then God's power, God gives us his, the power, gives us the power to say, that's all really amazing and no thanks. And that's what I find hard. I find God's un, unbelievable, endlessly patient love for me, tender, cherishing, like ridiculous. Um, 
love for me is, and yet I could still despair. So crazy. I was feeling like kind of crazy. And then I just kind of relaxed and was like, you know, I'm just going to let, I'm going to just trust that the spirit can blow this with me too. Blow this despair, blow my weak body, blow my weak mind with me, carry me. I can't do it right. I don't even have a staff. I'm not even trying to do it right. I'm not trying to be religious anymore. Um, and, and then I, it's just, it's like a choice. You just have to choose to just choose. Do you want to trust? Do you want to hope? And I was like, I don't really want to hope. It's too hard. It's too hard to hope all the time when stuff is so hard and you're so useless to fix anything. Um, and then, you know, I, it was community around me that made me realize my own family first. I'm like, I don't know what it is about being a mom, but you're kind of like the little linchpin in it all, you know? If I give up hope, my family all starts to go, oh. <laughs> it's like super subtle, but it totally happens. If I get hopeless, it just goes, spreads. And I was like, well, that's kind of annoying because I'd like the freedom to be hopeless. <laughs> That's freedom, isn't it? Um, uh, and then I'm like, I have to hope. I have to hope for these people. Like, if I say I love them, I need to hope for them. I am going to hope for them because I love them. I don't even know if all the stuff in the Bible is, you know, God's going to do all that stuff and lay it out exactly how Christianity has said it, how it's going to go and all that stuff. I don't even know about all those things. But I know that I have experienced something besides me inside this body that's really compassionate to me and really tenderly loves you guys like it's ridiculous whenever i'm here it's like all i can feel is god's heart for you and it is so soft it's so beautiful i mean i don't normally feel like this for groups because i came out of trauma i don't trust people i haven't trusted christians most of my life and yet when i'm in this community i just feel like god's heart's so strong for you guys. And I'm like, I got a hope for my community too. Like, there's too many people giving up hope. And what am I hoping in? I've hoped in all the things that are not real hope, for sure. I've hoped in my strength. I've hoped in my intelligence. I've hoped in, you know, my marriage. I've hoped in my kids being what they were, you know, most amazingly and all the things I wasn't. And I've hoped in changed circumstances. I've hoped for my body to be healed. I've hoped for all kinds of things. And it's like God's relentless in that it's like just gets to, he's the only hope. That's it. Like God, and it's exactly like in Adam and Eve. We're, we're Adam and Eve, right? That, that, that allegory tells us that's how we respond. We're given all of that beauty and abundance and, and deep, unbroken communion with others and God. And we get to just be naked and trust it and enjoy it. Like we were just made to just enjoy what God put out there and put out in each other. Um, or we can go, oh, I need 
to add to this perfection. There's something I need else. Or can I trust this love? Not like what you can do. Can you trust that the love that just lays out your life before you and this earth for us, is that is love enough to sustain your life? Like your physical life, is love enough to sustain that? And is love enough to take care of your kids? Make sure they're okay? Do they come out all right? Is love enough to take care of your grandkids? Is love enough to save a marriage? Is love enough to fix broken institutions? Like all the institutions, health, school, police, law enforcement, like the law, so many broken institutions around us now, right? Is love enough to join Christians back together again? Is love enough to make us actually one body? Where we could come to church and it's not about doing religious activities, but it's a coming to enjoy Christ in you and Christ in you and Christ in you and sharing the Christ in me, where you just get to be yourself, not the special good, special holy Jesus. You get to be yourself because Christ is that self. Like, where we wouldn't have to like bite and poke and be malicious and say, nah but you're gay or you're trans or you're a woman or you're indigenous or you're this or you're that or, or you're, you know, you're to this, you're to that. We just, we come together and be like, this is the body and we just enjoy it. We don't have to do, we just enjoy it. We can just build up all this love for each other. <laughs> you know, like Jesus said that if we, loved one another not if we preach to every last savage in every last hidden bush <laughs> but if we loved each other then people would be attracted to that people would come to that i stayed in this community because i was drawn by the love i felt here i'm not really a church fan believe it or not <laughs> i i'm not really a structure and rules and you know singing nicey songs and listen to people preach at me kind of person i'm a like get in the nitty gritty and hear about how you're doing and hear your questions and hear your doubts and say yeah that's a lot that's so human but isn't it amazing that god loves humans the most <laughs> like he loves humans the most and we always sing about jesus dying like he came he was born to die and i'm like no he died because he was human. When you're in the body, you die. He, died. he came to live. He came to live. He came to help us see being human's not so bad. It's not everything. It needs a partner. You know, the only thing not good in Eden, all of it's good. All of it's good. Even that tree of knowledge of good and evil being there is good. The only thing that's not good is one, people alone. People alone is not good. And whenever I spend a little too much time alone, I can totally generate that not good like so fast. <laughs> you know, and I'm so thankful for this community. It grounds me every Sunday. Like I'm like, oh, right. It's not about your personal salvation projects. Like toss that in the garbage can, waste of time, zero. Don't spend any more time there. Just know these people, love these people. That's all I have to do. And I actually believe that love is enough. You don't have to be enough. Everyone feels not enough. That's human. I'm not trying to be enough anymore. 
I'm trusting that enoughness is like, I'm all into you, like really all in. And I'm trusting and I'm hoping that our love is actually exactly what the world needs right now. It's exactly what the world needs. We've got exactly what the world needs. We totally do. We have an alternative story that says this isn't everything. We have love, experience of a love inside us, that it's real, that there's a reason to hope. Um, and we have community with one another. We don't have to be divided, even though we're all really different people, like so different, all of us. Like, would I pick any of you? Probably not. But then here I am, and it's like, sweet. I'm so glad God picks people for me, because I'm a bit of a doofus and how to pick people. <laughs> um, and I think that's exactly what the world needs. We have what the world needs. And this is the thing I really want to push all the Christians into. <laughs> this is my hidden agenda. Here it is. I'm unveiling my hidden agenda. My hidden agenda, every time I preach is, God doesn't just love you. God really likes you. Not trying to change all the things about you. The shame, it's not doing anything for you. The fear, it's not doing anything for you. We can totally let it go. And God doesn't, doesn't need you to keep any shred of that. And Christ is in all the other people too. The Old Testament is all, 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 all the people, all the people, all the people, all the people, all the people. God's interest still in all the people. The Muslims, the atheists, the people who hate Christians, the people who call themselves Christians and hate everyone else. All the people are God's people. And he's still totally into all the people. And I don't know, when I read the Bible, it always feels like God gets what God wants. So that would be all the people. I'm so into that. I'm like Moses. Like, I'm like, if not every single little jerk off gets in here, I'm not going in. Sorry. Like, I want everybody. I want everybody. And so wouldn't it be amazing if we, could, we didn't preach at people? We didn't, like, tell them about Jesus. Everyone knows about Jesus. If we just said, oh, I, I see this beauty in you. I see where light comes out of you. You don't maybe believe in God, but that's not my business. It's God totally can move in you. But I could say, oh, and we have a community that like enjoys that kind of beauty. We have a community that enjoys that kind of life or that kind of expression of love. We have a community that loves that. And we probably need it. Maybe it's not even here. Maybe it doesn't exist. And we could just share that. That's, I think, what the world needs right now. It needs Christians to get speaking with their bodies, not with our mouths, speaking with our bodies, wrapping our arms around each other regardless of how we feel on the inside or how we look on the outside. And we share, we just share that love. Speak with our embodied Christ self. That's what it means to live in Christ. Amen. Amen. Good end. <laughs>